Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. Today, my guest is Michael DePrisco. Michael is a Chief Marketing Officer at the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He is also the owner of Brand Excellence, a brand consulting firm. Michael has more than 30 years of experience in helping businesses connect to their target audience, um, and he's participated in numerous organizational and brand assessments. Welcome, Michael. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to, to talk with you. Well, thanks for having me, Sherry. Appreciate it. So tell me, tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and your current uh, professional responsibilities. Sure. Well, I, I've been in association world really for most of my professional career. So um, I kind of went from, you know, designer to creative director to then marketing director to chief marketing officer. So my career kind of progressed like that. I started actually. Um, in associations with Ducks Unlimited um, there in suburban Chicago. And then I went to the Experimental Aircraft Association up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And I'm currently with the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, like you said. So those are the three associations that I spent most of my career in. Um, And one time I was speaking and somebody said, so let me get this straight. You went from duck wings to airplane wings to bite wings. Actually, yeah, that's what that's what I've done. So, so now I stole that and I use that sometimes. So. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Um, so I'm chief marketing officer now at AACD, and, and I, I like to think that I play a key role in driving strategy. I mean, I like to uh, make sure that I really fully understand the market and the member. Uh, I work hard, I think, to create a unique point of view that will hopefully influence beliefs and behaviors and create demand for for our offerings i mean it's not just about lead generation but it's about creating demand for what we for what we do so and then as you mentioned in the intro in my spare time i enjoy consulting (laughs) on brand strategy and corporate identity that's just kind of my passion um so i really do i really do enjoy that that's great um so you know we've talked before um and i want to have you talk a little bit more about um the hands-on at home project that was developed for AACD um, during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, So one of the things that makes AACD different when we have our live events, our our annual conference is our hands-on workshops. Mm -hmm. So other organizations and private educators have hands-on workshops, but we do it like a little bit differently and we have more of them. So there's more opportunity for attendees to really get their hands dirty to spend time with the instructor, the educator, uh, to learn new techniques, experiment with new materials and methods. But as everybody knows, when you have to cancel two annual events in a row because yeah. of the pandemic, well, what do you do, right? So, uh, so we thought about it and we developed uh, a virtual hands-on at home offering. And um, what, what was kind of neat about it was that the revenue comes from two different sources, the sponsoring entity who is sponsoring the workshop and providing the attendees with the materials. 
Um, and then we charge the attendees, uh, AACD members, uh, a nominal fee to actually be one of the people that gets to gets to participate. And of course, attendance was limited so that there could be good instructor, you know, to student ratio, and uh, and they were popular enough during the test that it's now uh, an ongoing offering to kind of take the place of you know what happens in those other eleven months when we're not having an annual scientific session. Yeah. So hands on at home kind of, uh, it started out as kind of a, a band-aid because we were missing our annual meetings, but it, it turned into a, uh, to a persistent offering that we're, we're pretty happy with. Yeah, well, I think that's great because I think a lot of us saw that we could do things remote that would really stick because not everybody can make it also at a date at an annual meeting, right? Or make it to right. that location or there's things that just happen that now we've got offerings that can um, reach those that can't be in person. So yeah. that's that's great. Great point. Great point. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about um, the changes that you guys made to your accreditation program. Sure. So again, this was uh, this was kind of a, I suppose you could say this was kind of driven by the pandemic as well. But we were looking for ways to help our members who are in the process of accreditation, members in the process, we call them MIPs, to help them kind of get through the process uh, a little more quickly and smartly because our accredited members uh, and our fellows are our best members. They're the ones who are mm -hmm. our best ambassadors and they're the ones who uh, have the clinical skills to really give their patients you know, outstanding, long-lasting results. So we want more of them. They're, they're stickier members, right? They're, their retention rate is much higher than a general member. So we want to shepherd them uh, in as many ways as we can to get through the process. And one of the things that, that um, a member dentist or a laboratory technician has to do is pass a number of case types. And so we developed a new offering recently called ACE Your Case. And ACE is kind of an acronym for uh, accreditation case examiners. And one of the examiners will get on a Zoom you know, meeting. And again, attendance is limited. Um, and they'll walk you through kind of the success principles of, of passing a case type. So if you're stuck on case type two, um, you know, you'd want to go to that ACE your case to kind of learn the tips and tricks to, to pass that case. And what was really kind of neat about that one when we launched it, we weren't sure how our members would, would accept this new idea. And we decided we would launch it only to our members in the process of accreditation first, since, since it's most relevant to them. And before we could even roll it out to our entire membership, um, we had filled up the course and we had to, we had to uh, duplicate it and do it again just to get more people into it. So um, kind of like hands-on at home, Ace Your Case is now part of our part of our portfolio of, uh, of educational offerings. So we're, we're excited about that. I love that. And I love the ace your case. That's, that's clever. I love that. <laughs> okay. um, so talk to me, you, I noticed, uh, Michael, that you use the phrase radical branding in your promotional materials. So what is a radical brand and how do organizations get there? Yeah, yeah. So it, so that was something I developed years ago, and it actually the word radical actually has a double meaning. So the first is that it's it's not good enough just to be a little bit different than your competition. You need to be radically different. You have to you have to be giving your target audience a reason to choose you 
over all the other options that are out there and available to them. And you'll only get their attention if you're radically differentiated. So that's kind of the first, the first meaning. But I also use radical in some of my presentations and, and books as an acronym. So the R in radical stands for relevance, right? For people have to care about your products and services. So your offerings have to be meaningful and relevant to them. I remember reading years ago um, that hardware stores don't really sell drill bits and saw blades, right? They sell holes and cuts. They're selling the results of what the tool mm. does. And I thought that was cool, but it wasn't yeah. radical enough for me. So I developed this exercise where if my product is drill bits and saw blades, it's not about holes and cuts. It's really about the feeling of accomplishment that I get when I fix something or make something or, or, or you know, or repair something. So, that. so that's, that to me is kind of how you stay relevant is, is having offerings that are meaningful to your target audience. I work with a lot of dentists, of course. And one of the things I tell them is you're not selling smile design or orthodontics or bonding or veneers. You're selling hope and self-confidence and happiness. That's what your real product is. And that's how you stay relevant. So the R in radical is for relevance. Uh, the A is for authenticity. And, and the way I like to think about authenticity is your prospects, your prospective members, uh, in the case of associations, are going to subject every claim you make to, to two tests. Is this claim plausible? And is it plausible coming from you? Um, and so that's about being authentic and true to yourself and not being a copycat Me Too association or organization. So that's authenticity. The D in radical is for differentiation. And that's kind of the big one, right? And that's, uh, like I said, about owning a unique attribute. And, and I consider having that, you've heard, maybe you heard it called a unique sales proposition, um, but it's the most powerful tool in marketing. So discover a pain point that no one else in your marketplace is resolving for and integrate that promise into everything you do. And, and that's, that's your differentiation factor. I love to do this little test. It's actually kind of hard, but if you can fill in these two blanks kind of almost intuitively, um, you probably have a pretty good differentiator. And that is our association is the only blank that blanks. Our association is the only blank that blanks. And so I'll go ahead and use AACD. Our association is the only aesthetic dental organization that has a credential, an advanced credential. So that's our differentiating factor, right? So that's yeah. kind of the D, the D in radical. The I in radical is for iconic, and that's just visual, the visuals. So not just your logo, but other visual elements of your brand, the imagery that you use, the colors, the typography, right? Visuals have an emotional power that words alone don't. And it often acts as kind of the glue that sticks memories and brands into our minds. So you want to be an iconic brand as well. Uh, the C in radical is making sure that you're, it's actually three C's, Sherry, uh, making sure that your character, your conduct, and your conversation are all in alignment. So your character, who you are, what you stand for, your conduct, how you act, um, how you and your leadership and your staff acts, in uh, your conversation, what you say in the marketplace, in your marketing, in your social spaces, 
they all need to be in alignment. Uh, otherwise, you'll be a confusing kind of schizophrenic brand. So uh, character, conduct, and conversation in alignment is the C. The A in radical is um, the second A is for audience. So think about who your best fit members are. Who is your association designed to serve? And here's where I like to share kind of the positioning paradox because it's so counterintuitive that it that people get confused when they hear it. But the narrower your association's focus is, the wider your message can actually spread. And it's kind of the opposite of all things to all people. So what's that narrow message that you can be about, that differentiator, so that so that your target audience can grab that and claim it, you know, and, and embrace it. And then finally, the Ellen Radical is for live it. Just, you know, how consistently you present your brand is going to either strengthen your association or weaken it, depending on how you, your staff, your volunteers kind of embody and embrace this idea of living the brand every day. So the Ellen Radical is live it. I love that. You've given me some inspiration already. I took a couple of notes here. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> great stuff. Um, so how do you feel like organizations can get there and, and do this? You know, it's like, oh, I'm here and everybody's so busy and they're, they're just trying to kind of get through the day. Um, how do you, how do you organizations really kind of, you know, be able to implement or, or think about all the things that you just talked about? You know, I think it starts with being purposeful and, you know, not falling into kind of the old, the old ways. Well, this is how we always did it, or this is what associations are supposed to do. I think it's taking a good look, you know, in the mirror and understanding who you really are. And, and I think it goes back to this fundamental idea that I've had stuck in my head for a while now that I really like. And, and I find it, kind of helpful to recalibrate by asking the stepping back and asking the question, what problem are we here to solve? You know, why do we exist? What problems exist, are, yeah. are, are we here to solve? And I think that's the first step in kind of stepping back from the day to day. Oh gosh, we got to get this newsletter out and we got to yeah. you know, prepare for this conference and, and you know, just, just step back. What problem are we here to solve? Now our, our benefits, our offerings, our products, our services, are they all, you know, resolving for that problem? Yeah. So talk to me a little bit. You know, I was talking to another exec the other day about how things have changed over the last couple of years. And basically, you know, a lot of, you know, people aren't really as focused and paying attention and they've got multiple things going on when they're, you know, on Zoom or working from home and, you know, looking at their phones and all those types of th- things that, that, um, that have changed a bit. Um, so in the last, when we think about branding, how do you feel that, that branding has changed in the last, over the last couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whoo, that's a, that's a big one. I, I did read something recently. I'll paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly what it said, but, but it said something to the effect of it's as if the pandemic kind of squeezed 10 years of change of results kind of into the last couple of years. So everything that we deal with, whether it's, you know, membership trends or whether it's branding or whatever has been compressed or even like accelerated. Yeah. So think of like an important trend line in your organization. Let's say that uh, 
back in 2018, 2019, you started to notice, let's say, your retention rate was softening. And if you think of that trend line continuing out for about 10 years, you know, where would you be? Well, the last two years kind of, like I said, accelerated or compressed all those trends. And now all of a sudden associations are going, holy mackerel, what happened here? Yeah. Um, so what that says to me is your strategic position, like I said, what you say and how you say it, your relevant, authentic and differentiated brand promise, it's, it's more important than ever to help cut through the clutter and the noise of the marketplace. Like you said, people are distracted. Uh, their buying habits have changed, how they spend money, how associations operate and thrive, how we, yeah. heck, how we find and retain employees um, has changed. And everything has shifted and compressed over yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so what are, do you feel our associations are doing well or not so well with their brand initiatives today? Yeah, I think that it falls into, at least in my reading and kind of observing laterally, you know, uh, other dental organizations, let's say, it's the difference between organizations that are comfortable being kind of a me too organization, doing all the, the normal things associations are supposed to do. They, you know, they might be living in the past, might be focused on celebrating milestones or anniversaries or whatever. Um, they could have a We've always done it this way mentality, like I said, but uh, when we think about true member needs, we got to remember that often prospects are unable to determine value, right? So we get stuck using outdated communication styles. Um, we, we carry around an outdated brand and think about these upcoming generations, these young people, they're, they're asking fundamental questions like what the heck's an association? Yeah. Why would I? Why would I want to join something that that doesn't make sense to me? I don't have the time or the money for this. And and the one that you know we're starting to hear in, in some survey instruments is is your benefits don't align with my needs, which to me is shorthand for I can get it elsewhere. So why should I be a part of this thing? Yeah. So I think that's where that's where associations uh, might fall or trip. You know, is getting hung up in those areas. And like I said maybe going back to this question of what, what problem are we here to solve and how can we help, you know, those people? Well, a couple of weeks ago, our team, um, we were doing it, uh, helping an organization with um, evaluating whether or not they should develop a product. And anyway, in those conversations, we were doing interviews and they were talking with young physicians and shockingly, you know, the, the physician um, associations would have, you know, their guidelines of care, right? Like in the, the, or that that was the go-to, you went to the guidelines. Well, we found out that a lot of these young physicians were getting their medical information from TikTok. And I was like, oh, that can't be true. I was like, that cannot be true. Well, I'm following them now and I'm getting, learning to be a doctor from TikTok. No, I'm not, <laughs> don't put me in any operating room, but, um, but I'm, you know, it is that it's fascinating just to see the changes um, in, in behaviors and then how do we compete with that? Right. And, and what is it that value to, as you said, you know, what is that value of, of membership and the value of the association? Um, and, you know, I think today people are starting to recognize that, they need to do things differently. They need to kind of start thinking, being innovative and thinking differently. 
But sometimes organizations, when they're having problems, they just say, uh, we're going to just rebrand. Like, we're going to rebrand. We're going to change our messaging. And, you know, I guess I want to hear kind of your feedback on, you know, what's the right time to rebrand? What can, you know, what do you get out of a rebrand initiative? And maybe even if that's the right solution. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. I do hear I do hear that quite a bit in my work, but um, it, it reminds me of this conversation I had with an association executive pretty recently. And she said that in a survey that they had done, their members said that I think it was an attitude, an attitude and awareness survey, but said that their members perceived the organization as cutting edge, high performance, innovative. They were using attributes like that. But their logo, which I refer to as kind of the doorway to the brand, um, and the, even their overall look and feel, like their website and their imagery, it did not reflect cutting edge, high performance, innovative at all. So, you know, it was dated, it was old fashioned, and that was kind of a wake up call to them to say, hey, we're not aligned with what people perceive us as. Um, so listen to the voice of your member, you know, what attributes uh, do they think of? when they visualize your organization and are those aligned, you know, with your current brand. So what I hear a lot in my consulting is people want to rebrand because they want to shake off an old image. Like I just said, um, when they want to tap into a new demographic, uh, when they're shifting or changing their position in the marketplace, um, give new life to like outdated branding, kind of just refresh. Um, and when they need to evolve to stay relevant. So I think those are the, the reasons that I hear most often. Um, and again, we're not talking about we're not talking about just a logo refresh here. It, right. it gets much deeper into who your organization serves, what you stand for, your competitive advantage, um, your marketplace positioning, which is always done against the competition. Uh, if they're zigging, you know, you need to zag. Um, and then all that groundwork is most often followed by an update to the corporate mark and other you know key visuals but it's not just about let's freshen up our logo and call it a rebrand that's just a that's just a logo design yeah yeah so what do you think that uh, leaders can do uh, to create a strong brand identity yeah yeah you know here's one way that i like to look at it is all brands need good parents and that's because especially in association world it's the people who shape the association and kind of carry the core values and the culture. So when you think of, you know, the executive director, the staff, volunteer leadership, all of their values are the association's values, no matter what the mission statement might say, right? So your association brand really can only be as strong as the weakest personal point in the organization. And that's why in the back to the radical branding construct, the L at the end stands for live the brand every day in everything you do and say. And hey, that's a rhyme. And I might have to use that. Live the brand every day <laughs> in everything you do and say. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> the uh, Michael, you know, I've been following you for years and and the, your concept of radical branding and um, and I've seen you speak a lot of different places. And I think you, you, you're a great leader in the, in the association industry. And I guess um, for our audience, I just kind of want to hear a little bit about your leadership style and how you've come to develop these characteristics. Yeah, well, 
I think the first thing that I think of when you say that is that I'm never the smartest person in the room. So I, I really love to get input and feedback and ideas from the people around me. So while in a given situation, I might be the ultimate decision maker, let's say, I think that the the wisdom actually comes from a multitude of counselors. So, and I guess I was just thinking about this recently at, at our board meetings, but I, I, feel I must have somewhere along the line embraced this a servant leadership type model because I was thinking about the typical view of leadership, you know, climbing the ladder, reaching the top, you know, getting to the top of the pyramid. So envision that pyramid for a second with, with the leaders at the tip, right? Your board chair, your CEO, they're at this tip of this pyramid. And below them is a layer of, let's say, volunteers and board members and, and committee members. And then there's staff. And then below that, at the base of the pyramid, are, are the association's members. But that's totally upside down. You need to flip yeah. the pyramid on its head for a much more accurate picture of how it should really work, right? Leaders are at the bottom. We exist to serve our staff, our volunteers, and of course, the members. They, they're at the real top of the pyramid. So in my mind, the leader's role then is really, I don't know, nothing more than taking care of the people in our charge, to grow them, to support their personal and professional development. So I yeah. guess that would be kind of my thought. Yeah, I love how you describe that because I will always say, you know, we do work with um, like website redesign work and you'll have a leadership group um, that's involved trying to drive it. And I'm like, but you guys think differently than the rank and file membership and who are we here to serve, right? So um, when you pointed out, but I like your pyramid analogy, like that, that was, that's really good. And it made me think also of Michael, I, it was funny before I became a consultant and it was, I've been doing consulting now for 17 years, but you talk about getting to the top of the pyramid. And I always said, you know, by the time I got to the table, I was like, this table sucks. <laughs> like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> like, 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 this is not fun. <laughs> I chose the wrong pyramid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it has becoming an entrepreneur made an impact on what you bring in your association role? I would expect that it, it, it has significantly, but look, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, that, that makes me think of something that I heard when I, when I graduated art school. It was, you know, um, there was, it's probably not even a true story, but it might be a, an apocryphal kind of a story. But if you, back in the old days, if you were to get a job, let's say at a big animation studio like Disney or something, you would have a very specific role. Your role is you draw Mickey Mouse's hands. That's what your job is. You just draw Mickey's hands, become an expert at it, do it very, very well. Um, and you're part of this big team that, that puts together the whole, the whole animated story. Um, and I think what is neat about entrepreneurship is you get this much broader vision of how things work, um, you know, and, and it gives you a different perspective. So I'm not just focused in my job on the marketing role. I'm not just focused on drawing Mickey's hands. Uh, I have, a, I think, a more holistic view of how the organization works and functions and how it fits together and how you know the finance and the budgeting is supposed to operate and um, how these depart these various departments from our conference to our accreditation department all fit together and it, it, it I think it just gives you more of an appreciation for all the different parts of what goes into this animated story from the music to the backgrounds 
to the sound effects, uh, you know, to, to everything that goes into it. So um, I think that's probably what I think of when I think of entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship, I guess. That's great. That also just reminded me of when I had my, I worked at the association, um, I was responsible for business development and um, my boss, who's still a really good friend of mine, I used to always hassle him because he was a CFO. And I said, Tom, I make the money. I don't count the money. And then I became an entrepreneur and I called him one day and I'm like, crap, why didn't you make me count the money? <laughs> I was like, I hate this QuickBooks thing. So it was it was kind of funny because you're, you're right. It's like that holistic view of everything that's going on in an organization that you have to be responsible for. Um, that's great. Uh, so Michael, can you talk to us a little bit about how you feel organizations can distinguish themselves, um, in this competitive environment and, and also even maybe talk a little bit about the advantages of being a specialty. Yeah, I think what you're probably getting at here is this idea of focus, right? So, uh, I, well, it was a couple of days ago. Yeah. We had Jersey Mike's subs and I was thinking about subs and what makes you go from one sub restaurant to the other. I mean, so if you think about sub sandwiches, they're all essentially the same, right? You put meats and veggies on some bread. So how, how do those restaurants cut through the clutter? And, and to me, it's about having a relevant area of focus to rally around or like you said, specialty. So maybe we can use those words, you know, interchangeably, but you know, for cousins subs, it's the bread. Uh, their tagline is better bread, better subs. So they talk about the bread. Uh, for Subway, it's this whole idea of fresh, eat fresh. Um, so they want you to have that idea in your mind when you're selecting that. Um, for Jimmy John's, uh, it's all about speed, right? Subs so fast, you'll freak, freaky fast delivery. Now, <laughs> I never thought that Speed was a pain point in the sub in the sub sandwich world, but apparently they found something to focus on. So, so again, it's back to this idea that what your organization does better, or even better than better, what is it that your organization does differently from other solutions that your members are using? And then how can you leverage that difference to make an impact in the marketplace? And sometimes it's just about picking that area of focus and just talking about that. So uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's great. And, it, and in my brain, like if you think about it, freaky fast. Well, if I need something fast, I'm going to I'm going to Jimmy John's, and I don't even think about the competitors. And they probably <laughs> make the sandwich in the same amount of time, right? <laughs> right. And the meat's probably fresh, and they probably have good bread. They, exactly. You know, so. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so what advice would you give association leaders for to succeed over the next few years? Yeah, so I think, again, just building off what we were just talking about, I mean, it's, it's about finding new ways to express your competitive advantage and make it oversimplified. You know, you don't want to make it too hard. You know, Freaky Fast is a great, a great one to go back to because it's an oversimplified message. And that, that gives your prospects and your members kind of new reasons to find your solution relevant, beneficial, valuable to them. Um, one, of the, one of the early books that I read when I was really doing a deep dive into branding was, was a book called Brand Simple. And the author said, if you wanna win, you must know what you're selling, find a way to prove that what you're selling is different, 
and then distill that difference into a focused and compelling idea that can drive and unite everything associated with your brand. So, so it's this idea of focusing, distilling, you know, having a specialty area, and then distilling that into all your, all your marketing and messaging. So I've picked your brain a lot uh, today, which I really appreciate. This has been um, terrific, but I have one last question. Do you think that the um, AACD's business model will change in the future? Are you guys kind of looking at, at a different business model or if not, um, you know, why not? Yeah, honestly, I think it has to change. I mean, the organization's been around for about 40 years, but think about the landscape in the dental industry or a lot of the industries that associations serve. I mean, it's changed dramatically. It's not the same, it's not the same industry that AACD was born in. So just last week, we had uh, our two boards in town in Madison for our strategic planning session. And one of the things I shared with the boards in their pre-board packet was, was a quote that I stumbled across. But it was this senior television executive, and he was quoted in Fortune magazine in 1998. So, so calibrate yourself with 1998. And, and this is what this TV executive said. He said, this is a dying business and very few people involved want to admit that the patient is sick. Everyone's going after the same writers, the same concepts, the same audience. They're programming themselves out of business. And I thought that was a really cool challenge because think about what happened then as we went into the new millennium, into the 2000s and beyond, all of a sudden it was satellite and, and you know cable and streaming and all these different boutique networks. And you mentioned TikTok, but I mean, look at YouTube, how big it is. And, TV has fundamentally changed. How we consume our entertainment has totally changed since then. And it took kind of, I think, maybe a wake-up call like that. So, you know, again, it, it, it might shake leadership up to think differently, to, to shed the, this is the way we've, we've always done it kind of mindset, um, to dig deep, to get strategic, ask tough questions, be innovative. So it was a really great, double board meeting and strategic planning session. And I think the board's prepared to do that. So we might be looking at some really exciting changes over the next couple of years. Yeah, that is exciting. I was, uh, we have our, uh, I know you just, you just spoke at our um, innovation summit, which we really appreciated. And that was great. Um, and we have our solutions day that is coming up in September. And our headliner is going to be, um, uh, Tiffany Hayes from the, uh, Country Music Association. And she was talking to us about how radio is going to be going away, kind of the same thing, um, and how they're kind of helping their members and they're looking at what the future looks like over the next 10 years. And you don't really like, that's not top of mind for me to think, but then you, you take a step back and you're like, well, yeah, if you look at the younger generations or even us, we're not necessarily getting our music through radio anymore, right? And so how does that change? But I think that the point is, is as you said, in every industry, those things are happening. And sometimes some of these industries, people are paying attention um, and need to look at, you know, how do they help their members and how do they change their business models to help their members and other organizations 
don't take that pause to say, you know, what is changing in our environment and what do we need to be, you know, looking at? So I think that is a really important, really important point. Yeah, exactly. Good. So, well, thank you so much uh, for your great advice today. Um, Your ideas and perspectives on how marketing and branding has changed so quickly um, is is a terrific to have this update on uh, from you today. And we appreciate our listeners uh, tuning in and hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. Dot.org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.